Welcome to this BMA's Border Science podcast. Uh, this is part of a series of podcasts that we're putting on. My name is Professor Dame Parvin Kumar, and I have the pleasure of chairing the Board of Science. Our guest today is Dr. Nick Watts. Uh, Nick is the NHF Chief Sustainability Officer, uh, but he was in the past the Executive Director of the Lancet Countdown, Tracking Progress in Health and Climate Change. Uh, he's held a number of uh, positions, and uh, particularly in, in Western Australia, and he trained in population health and public policy. So towards the end of last year, uh, the uh, government published the Greener NHS paper. Uh, it is the first world's national health uh, system to commit to become carbon net zero uh, with clear deliverables and also milestones. It's sad to think that the NHS accounts for 6.3% of UK's total car uh, carbon emissions and 5% of UK's total air pollution. The cumulative cost to the NHS of emissions over the next 16 years is thought to be about 9.4 billion. So Nick, that is a huge problem. And I suspect with your new job, this is going to be your major uh, um, work. So I wonder whether you could start off, Nick, by telling us about what your job entails. Sure, sure. Um, let me start before I start with that. Uh, thanking you, Parvin, um, for everything you've been doing. I know you um, uh, are part of the leadership structure, one of the ambassadors of the UK Health Alliance on Climate Change. You know, the BMA was a founding member there. Um, uh, the work that the Alliance does, such incredibly important work. Um, really, actually, and it's worth saying, it is with the knowledge of the support of the health profession, of the professional bodies that the NHS feels empowered to make a commitment like, like the one that you described. Net zero by 2040 for the emissions that we control directly. But we are good health professionals, right? Uh, so we know that healthcare and our responsibility extends beyond the four walls of a hospital. And so for that reason, net zero by 2045 for the entirety of what you could possibly imagine might be the NHS's uh, emissions profile. In fact, we go well beyond uh, the sort of definitions and boundaries that I think you will see most organizations take into account. We take into account all of the procurement, all of the goods that uh, the NHS consumes, um, not just before they arrive, but also after they leave the NHS in that waste and recycling process. Um, we also take into account, and we have an ambition to act on uh, travel, transport, Yes, from uh, our staff. Yes, from patients as they travel to and from uh, uh, from the services that, that are provided, but also uh, from visitors. Anything that the NHS induces or is sort of related to, I think we want to take responsibility for. Um, so that's the job. Really simple. Um, probably impossible. Probably is the really important word there. Um, if any healthcare system in the entire world can take on and succeed at a challenge this ambitious, it is the NHS. Well, Nick, that's a huge, huge, huge job. Um, I'm a non-executive uh, uh, director of, uh, at St. George's Hospital and have been asked to take on the, uh, the, the climate change project. Now, St. George's has a very old estate and they have 
obviously a lot to catch up on, on that. And they've actually produced a plan with both estate and also to become a greener NHS uh, together. But one of the problems really is where do you start and where is the funding going to come from? Sure. So let's tackle those in turn. Where do you start? Such a difficult question. And the reason it's a difficult question was sort of in the um, in the introduction you you pulled together, Parvin. Um, the NHS is big. 1.3 million staff, 120 billion, 130 billion uh, pounds of turnover every year. Um, climate change is also big, and we are four, five percent, six percent of the national emissions profile. What that means is there's carbon in pretty much everything we do. Um, that's worrying, right? There's carbon in the way that we travel to and from work. There's carbon in the medicines we prescribe and the devices we use. There's carbon in the food that our patients eat. And there's carbon in the concrete that uh, hold the roofs up and, um, and the hospitals up. Um, that also means that where you need to act is everywhere, right? There isn't one part of the system that we you know, can afford to leave. And net zero really does mean it. It's ambitious. It's not, can I do these three? It's, no, no. We're doing all of it. We're doing absolutely everything you can imagine, and that's the new world we're going to head towards. Um, what I sometimes find, and maybe feel personally, is that understanding of the scale of climate change, um, that understanding of uh, the fact that carbon is everywhere can sometimes paralyze you. Certainly, it feels like it paralyzes me, because you want to act on everything, and by attempting to do everything at once, we manage to achieve nothing. Um, so I often give a bit of a non-answer to, to this question, but it is actually quite a genuine answer, which is, I don't care. Um, people should do the one thing, two things, three things that they are actually going to do. Don't worry too much about getting it perfect. Let's take the first step and then the second step and then the third step. And maybe once we've got up to a light job, we can start to you know, plan through this properly over the next 10 years, 20 years, 25 years. Um, and and we'll be able to think through that strategically. But but should we worry ourselves too much about getting the first five actions, first three actions spot on? No, because I think we're going to get it wrong anyway. Um, and the NHS is going to have to learn as it goes. It's worth repeating. No other healthcare system uh, has a target like this. No other healthcare system has even begun to think about this in such a strategic way. And so we, NHS, Ian, I, um, you as a, as a non-exec in a, in a trust, um, uh, nurses scattered across the country, patients uh, using these services, we're going to have to learn about this together and figure this out together because um, really we don't have all the answers. This is one of those areas where I think we should just hold, a, hold our hands up and say we don't. Um, where's the funding going to come from? That's a good question. So... <sighs> There are a few things to say about that. Number one, and it is important to frame that question, um, the vast majority of what you want to do, go and take a look at the net zero strategy, the vast majority of what we want to do to respond to climate change doesn't require any funding, doesn't require any significant additional funding. Um, this is because uh, when you really go and look at a clean air, healthy diets, livable cities, more efficient health services, the priorities and principles of a net zero healthcare system are perfectly in sync with the priorities and principles of uh, the NHS, of the long-term plan, of the direction we're all heading. Um, 
there are going to be a few things that are going to require uh, additional additional funding. The thing to say about that is one, it's a small proportion. It's you know roughly 20% of our emissions we might require significant additional funding for. Um, within that, that 20%, a lot of that is going to have an ROI, a return on investment that is almost unheard of in uh, in the public sector. Two and a half, three and a half years, we are going through a big process right now trying to figure out exactly what that is. You invest in these measures, they pay back almost instantly, which is really good news if you're trying to make an investment case to uh, either your board, to your integrated care system, to uh, your region or to the treasury. Um, that is because they're efficiency measures. They are energy efficiency measures, measures they are upgrading the estate, they are uh, making sure that the NHS is ready to adapt to climate change at the same time as it's ready to reduce its emissions. Um, so where do we expect that funding to come from? Um, there, I think, a few sources. You, you may have seen, we announced at the public board the other day um, for the NHS, a quarter of a billion pounds worth of funding um, uh, that is out in the system right now. Uh, reducing emissions uh, across the entire, entire country, trust in every region, um, acting on that, mostly upgrading their energy systems, mostly uh, improving their estate, um, uh, the way that they heat, the way that they light um, uh, the services that we provide. Um, is that enough? No. Um, do we need more? Absolutely. Where is that going to come from? Well, the entire country is heading towards net zero. Um, increasingly, and indeed it's worth being honest, that money that I'm talking about there, that came from a combination of sources from outside of the health budget. It came from phase, it came from number 10, from uh, the work that Cabinet is doing. Um, that's going to be, I think, where we see the source of this, because really the question isn't, isn't this going to cost the NHS much? The question is, uh, the UK is heading in this direction. This is the future uh, direction of travel. Is the NHS ready for that? You make it sound like an impossible task, but yet on the other side, you're saying, uh, you know, it is possible. Um, uh, and, I, and I think we're all sort of behind the fact that, you know, it's, it, it's uh, I think with all the uh, media work, I think people are realizing that uh, uh, we've got to get to net zero, otherwise we lose, lose the planet. However, it's still quite difficult to persuade people on the ground who are overworked, who are pushed, uh, particularly now that for, for NHS staff, we've been trying to catch up on what we missed out with uh, in looking after patients with, with uh, non-COVID uh, problems. And, uh, you know, it, it's different to know when you say start everywhere, you, you can't do that because you need money. And you certainly need more personnel. You need, obviously, every individual person entering the trust, say, or, or even outside to take a part in it. And I'm not quite sure what the incentive is for people to, to do that. Because people, some people, would you believe it, still believe that it's not going to happen? Fair challenge, Harvin. Uh, this isn't going to be easy, right? And I don't want to pretend that, that it is going to be easy. I just want to communicate that, that there are synergies and alignments with the direction the NHS wants to head anyway. But why do I think it's possible? Uh, because we've already done uh, quite a fair bit of it. Depending on the scope, depending on how you measure those emissions, I started with the two targets at the beginning of the of the chat, um, the NHS has already come a very long way, actually well ahead of what is required under a pretty ambitious climate change act. Between 26 to roughly 60% of the way to reducing its emissions to net zero from its 1990 baseline. 
So we have got a lot of experience doing this as we have done this uh, over the last decade or so. We have noticed one uh, that there are a lot of efficiency savings. There are a lot of savings and cost savings there that, that materialize in this. Two, it has improved the health of our patients. It has uh, reduced air pollution. It has reduced single-use plastics. Um, and three, God, our staff love it. 1.3 million people in the NHF. We go out and we ask them every single year, hey, what do you care about? What do you really want to see the NHF do more of? And every single year, nine out of 10, staff shout back, I want to see the NHS work in a more sustainable way, environmentally sustainable way. Um, and that kind of makes sense, right? Uh, uh, I, I went to med school down in, down in um, Western Australia. There, we actually did take some variation of, um, of the Hippocratic Oath. I don't know if that's a, if that's a thing that is, um, uh, is done up here, but, you know, premium non notre. It, it is not in our DNA to to help and provide care to our patients and the public whilst also making their health worse through, through the actions of climate change. It just doesn't quite sit right. And so the idea that nine out of 10 staff want to see this happen and there is energy there for this to happen, I, it doesn't surprise me. So I think rather the task is probably more, Parveen, about how do we unlock that energy? How do we give people permission to just go do? They don't need to come to you or to me or to anyone to say, can we do this? What about this? Is this an interesting idea? People should just be doing things. 1.3 million people making 1.3 million sustainable decisions, just a little tweak to the left every single day. Now, you're right. There is a need for additional uh, capacity for uh, almost something to sort of prime the pump a little bit. And there, I think, uh, hopefully, that's what the Greener NHS team can do. So I've, we've already talked about the quarter of a billion uh, funding for in 21-22 for, for capital. Um, no longer this greener NHS team. We used to be something called the Sustainable Development Unit, a team of four or five people doing really impressive work out in Cambridge. Now 150, scattered across the country, new net zero procurement teams, net zero medical teams, net zero uh, supply chain, ambulance, medicines, uh, each of the seven regions. Um, creating, driving that energy. Um, we are starting up new innovation competitions for our suppliers. Um, uh, being announced actually later on today, um, a new low carbon innovation competition um, for the NHS in partnership with Innovate UK, trying to stimulate that sort of pipeline. Um, I think there's pent up energy in the system that just needs to be unlocked and unleashed. Um, I think that's our job over the next couple of months. Yeah, th thank you, Nick. That sounds... Uh, uh... <laughs> you know, again, uh, possible, but uh, that's your persuasion, really. Uh, I mean, for example, um, I think it's trying to persuade one's colleagues everywhere to, to think about this and really everything they do. For example, I mean, I'm a, a gastroenterologist and I'm told that the endoscopy actually produces 3.09 kilograms of waste per bed day. And that's a huge amount. And, and clearly the side of gastroenterology and I'm sure all the other uh, cardiology, respiratory are putting out uh, you know, suggestions of how we can reduce it, uh, you know, by purchasing uh, instruments, reusing, uh, uh, recycling um, stuff that, uh, you know, can be recycled, like, you know, biopsy forceps and so on. But that's, that's going to take time. Um, and we haven't got time. So if, if you, say, are the person in charge of a trust 
where would you start? I know you say start everywhere, but you've got electricity. You want to change the lights. You've got the travel. You've got to try and get cleaner cars, but of course that costs money. Where do we start? Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um, there are a few categories of interventions we can we can think through. So number one, right? Do you have your governance in order? Is your house in order? Do you have a green plan, a net zero strategy that shows how your trust thinks it is going to contribute to the national strategy? Right? We're all pulling in the same direction. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't really care if it gets there by 2045 or if it gets there by 2030. Newcastle uh, Hospital Trust reckon they can beat us. How fantastic is that? Um, there are trusts all across the country trying to go further, trying to go faster. Um, is that approved? and managed at a board level, right? Are we taking this appropriately seriously for a question that is, uh, let's be honest, um, the future of healthcare, the future of, uh, of this trust and the way that we're all heading. Um, do you have clinical engagement? Do you have clinical sustainability networks, um, nurses, allied health professionals, pharmacists, doctors? Very, very clear, right? You can't do this. We can't do this without clinicians involved. We can't do this without patients involved. And we thought about them and started to build them into the way that we are, that we are building this out, the local community around us as well. Um, once you've got your governance, then there are some boring things. These are boring things only to you and me. Um, an estates professional um, uh, would probably smack me over the back of the head for saying that. But how are you lighting your hospital? God, I could talk for hours about LED lights. Um, they are, <laughs> I didn't cover them in med school. Uh, but they are very special things. Um, uh, everyone, every single hospital should be doing that. Um, what sort of electricity are you purchasing? You're right. Is it 100% renewable? There are some interesting questions around the emissions reductions we might expect to actually see from that, but it's a really important market signal nonetheless. Um, what about the insulation, right? How How is your hospital sort of heated? How is it cooled? Um, does that make sense? Is it safe? Is it ready for a heat wave? Is it ready for the future climate change? There are some things around the way that we transport and move patients around, right? And this is where things start to get uh, maybe out of the realm of uh, the estates professional and closer to the realm of the clinician. Um, how are we moving our patients? Are we using a diesel car? Are we using a hybrid car? Are we using an electric car? You say that costs money, and, and it will a little. There are some really great grants out there from the Office of Zero Emission Vehicles in, in government um, providing public sector NHS trust with uh, with funding to put in to put in place charging sites um, up to thirty, I think, per trust. You know, really really decent offers. Um, we know already, as of today, a new electric vehicle is at cost parity with a new diesel vehicle. We know that four to five years from now, we expect the average electric vehicle to be at cost parity with the average diesel vehicle. Um, the cost of this is plummeting, becoming so so. Uh, so much more accessible. But then a clinician needs to ask, well, do we really need that journey? Do we really need to be bringing that patient back into, uh, into the center, into the trust to run that test, to have that consultation? Could we go to them? Is there a more efficient way that we can provide care closer to home, in the home, in the local community? I'm sure uh, everyone listening will be familiar with the new community diagnostic hub. Um, uh, being pulled together, I'm sure everyone will be familiar with over the last 18 months, um, uh, providing that choice of 
remote care, of online care, digital care for all patients as well. And it is about choice, right? Um, those sorts of things, I think, are probably some of the earlier areas where we should be focusing. The one or two other things I would say, um, kind of because they're just low-hanging fruit and come on, we just need to do it. There are some inhalers out there. They are ludicrous, ludicrously high in their emissions, um, 22 kilograms roughly per inhaler. The average for the inhaler, uh, inhaler sort of suite that we might prescribe is about 10 kilograms of carbon uh, per inhaler. The lowest is about one kilogram of carbon. There's just no reason. There is just no reason why we should be using those um, those particularly carbon-intensive inhalers. Um, let's stop that. Let's shift away from some of those particularly carbon-intensive anesthetics. Desflurane is something we spend a lot of time talking about. We kind of need to stop talking about it, um, Parveen, because we need to have talked about it in the past tense. That's something we just did because it just made sense. Well, wouldn't that be wonderful if you can talk about it in the past tense? <laughs> So, so, so thank you for that. So just in going on a little bit about uh, finances and funding, one of the problems, of course, is it depends on how old your estate is. So if you've got an old estate, uh, you're going to have to spend that much more. Uh, and I think this is why I rather like the one that St. George's are doing. We've got a very poor estate, and we're actually joining the two policies together, greener health and, and uh, estate uh, renewal, basically. Um, but, you know, this again involves money. Um, you know, I, I don't know how one's going to be able to buy that into a trust or many trusts who are already perhaps in the red, uh, but they just need that little bit of extra help. Uh, and I know you said, you you know, the government has put in uh, uh, some money, but that's just not going to be enough, is it? No, no, let's be honest. No, it's not going to be enough. Um, but it's also only day one. Um, or month one or year one, right? This is a 25-year uh, trajectory and journey we are all on. Um, this is the first time there have been, you know, not six, not seven, not eight, nine-figure sums invested into sustainable healthcare across the country. So you're entirely right. We need much more uh, funding capacity. Um, I'm so impressed with how far the United Kingdom has come. It's just worth also looking backwards at where we were at the emissions reductions we have already achieved. It's also worth looking around. Um, this is an Australian thing, so you know uh, I'm not biased. Uh, the UK is a world leader here. Uh, go and look at Australia, go and look at Canada, go and look at uh, the colleagues we might normally compare the NHS to. Um, you will be very proud of what the NHS is already doing on, uh, on low carbon healthcare. Um, some of what we need to do is yes, we need the funding. Some of it, we just need the upfront investment and it will pay itself off pretty quickly, right? Um, often, especially when we talk about the estate, that is something that we need. It's also worth noting, the estate is a big, big, important part of this uh, puzzle. Um, it's only sort of 10, 15% of the total emissions profile of the NHS. Um, so when I say we can act on a lot of other things, you know, beyond the estate, I, I really do mean it. Um, for our part, in addition to the to what we've already discussed, um, just recently, a week ago maybe, um, we have closed consultation on uh, on a new net zero hospital standard. Um, it is hundreds of pages long, Parvin. You must never read it. Um, uh, it talks about the kinds of refrigerants you might use with lower 
you know, uh, that have lower carbon. It talks about the kinds of materials, the fabric of the building. It talks about the superstructure um, uh, that will work. It talks about digitally first modular um, uh, design. Um, it does also talk about cost. Um, and it thinks through very, very clearly what stuff can we just do at current levels? What stuff do we need to sort of wait and how do we wait and how do we uh, make sure that we sort of have that kind of modular design to build in? We're going to apply that initially to uh, the 40 new hospitals um, coming up across the country, um, but not stop there, right? This is going to start to become as we upgrade, as we improve the estate, uh, something that we build in, we build in across um, across everything we do. But if your question is the NHS estate is old, it needs uh, further funding in general and for net zero, yes. I must say, I, I'm impressed sort of walking around meeting people in the NHS that uh, uh, despite the hard work, despite what they've been through the last year, uh, they are still very, very concerned about, uh, you know, the climate and, and pollution. Uh, and I think one of the things that we did see during the lockdown was really how uh, particularly respiratory and cardiac uh, problems did decrease. We locked down and the pollution fell down. Um, so just looking at, uh, you know, you talk about other countries, are there any examples of things that we can actually learn from in other countries? And also, are we all talking to each other? Because in terms of climate change, it's got, you know, it's the world that's important. And there's certain countries that are actually producing a huge more um, in terms of carbon output and emissions than, uh, than perhaps we are. Although we're not good. <laughs> it's certainly true. Um, you know, we also need to think about the per capita emissions and the historic emissions and the responsibility there. But um, but those discussions could go on for hours and hours. So let's not start. Um, yes, is the answer. And don't don't make me don't let me sound as though uh, I think we are perfect and everyone else is imperfect. Um, the NHS is the only healthcare system that has uh, a complete strategy to get to net zero, one that I think we can look at and say, actually, I think I think you might have a decent shot at it. But that doesn't mean we can't learn from other healthcare systems because all across the world, there are examples of different healthcare systems that have just done something really quite remarkable. Um, in the United States, uh, a group of healthcare systems that have said, you know what, this air pollution stuff, it's bad business. Um, we are going to take control over uh, energy power generation for our local community. We're going to make sure it's renewable. We're going to use it to power our hospital. And then we're going to sell the rest of it out to the community. And it's going to be clean and it's going to be healthy. Um, really impressive. Uh, there are, I mean, the inhalers examples I was talking about just before. Um, the reason I am so bullish about that, the reason I know that this is doable, the reason I know we can do it uh, and uh, reduce our emissions, uh, reduce our costs uh, with no impact on our patients is because I can look at Scandinavia and Northern Europe and they've done it. They have just phased it out. Um, they didn't do it very quickly. They did it slowly over time because they had lots of time because they did it, you know, one, two, three decades ago. Um, there are examples like that all around, all around the world. I was just looking at, um, two or three hospitals down in Southeast Asia, Singapore, Malaysia. Um, uh, these fantastic examples of building, um, uh, green space into therapeutic space, into, into, into the sort of clinical space. And they have these hanging gardens on the hospitals and they have, you know, 
all these sort of fantastic um, innovations, they are good because we know from countless studies, uh, nature, the environment is good for your blood pressure, good for your mental health, right? Um, they're also quite good because they cool the hospital down in otherwise quite a hot climate um, and they protect against flooding, um, nature-based adaptation solutions. So yes, there are absolutely things we can learn from, I bet you, every health, health system out there. Um, it's also worth saying, you're right, we can't do this without everyone else. We can't do this unless we are working with all of our friends and colleagues across the world. The NHS, we have a commitment. Within the decade, the NHS will no longer purchase from anyone that does not meet or exceed our ambitions on climate change. That is really ambitious. It will not be possible unless we are doing it with our friends in Germany, our friends in France, our friends in Australia, our friends scattered across the entire world. Unless every single healthcare system in the world is changing its procurement decisions, this will not be possible. Um, and so, yes, we are talking with them um, regularly with, uh, with the World Health Organization, regularly with uh, uh, national health ministries across, across Europe, across the world. Um, you'll be pleased to know, uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if the people are public yet, but certainly the team is public. Um, our friends in America are, um, are to some extent copying what's been the good work that's already happened here setting up a new health and climate change unit within HHS, within their, um, their sort of Ministry for Health or equivalent. Um, not quite to take on, you know, the full scale of net zero healthcare for all of the United States, but for Medicare and Medicaid to start with um, and then go beyond that. This is, this is a growing industry and increasingly we have equal partners uh, everywhere we look. So thank you, Nagy. Thank you for a very fascinating podcast. Uh, I know with your enthusiasm and your compelling uh, character, we're all going to be behind you uh, in, in, in trying to make the uh, NHS greener. But also uh, do come down and talk to all of us as often as you can, because I think with your enthusiasm, uh, certainly I get infected every time I talk to you. <laughs> so many, many thanks. <laughs> Very kind of you to oh, talk to us. Thank you, Parveen. Um, Enthusiasm, I think, uh, a bit of energy is really the only option in the face of a problem this uh, this large. Um, I draw that from people like yourself, from the BMA, from uh, from clinicians, because it's really the fact that those 1.3 million, nine out of ten of us say they want to see the NHS be more environmentally sustainable. That's why I know this is possible. Thank you. Well, I'll take your enthusiasm and see whether I can spread it around as well. <laughs> but thank you very much indeed. It, it, that was excellent.